Hi, this is Scott Thompson. Welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Feel free to subscribe. Coming up on today's show, they're back. Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott, after a quick hiatus, have announced they are going to run as independents free of liberal rule. And are the Raptors now officially Canada's team? It's all coming up on the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Uh, before we get started, we're going to go right to the Jody Wilson-Raybould uh, press conference, which is now being held in British Columbia. She is announcing that she is running as an independent and no longer as a liberal. Shared and joint efforts that use the distinct ideas, talents, and expertise we all have to offer. And in this reality, there is less room for overt partisanship in our evolving democracy. Rising to these challenges requires Ottawa to operate more openly and transparently in the spirit of nonpartisanship with increased cooperation. That is what I am now more than ever as an independent committed to advocating. As an independent, I will be truly free to take the guidance of the citizens of Vancouver Granville and to represent you. I will not have to try and convince myself that just because the way it has always been done means that it must continue to be done that way. As many of you in this room are aware, I came to Ottawa in 2015 from an unconventional political background to most. Before 2015, I had never been involved in provincial or federal politics, and I had never been a member of a political party. My leadership experience before running to be your MP has been in the Indigenous world, advocating for transformation in the relations with Indigenous peoples. As some of you know, in my cultural teachings, we strive to work through consensus. While there are a diversity of views, tensions, and challenges, we do not entrench them in political parties, and we often frown on personal ambition. The commitment to consensus, the importance of speaking the truth and striving to honor and uphold each other, these are the core values of my culture and teachings. This is what I know. In asking you to elect me as your representative four years ago, I pledged that I would strive as best I could to act differently than we had increasingly become accustomed to by politicians. And please don't get me wrong. I take great pride in what we have accomplished over the last four years. Many important initiatives were advanced both locally and nationally, but I wonder what more could have been accomplished on big issues, the big issues of our time, if it was a less partisan environment. And here I am thinking about how we tackle climate change as a matter of individual and collective health and well-being and as a matter of economic prosperity and national security. On this issue in particular, I see my friend and colleague Elizabeth May and the Green Party of Canada as natural and necessary allies. Climate change is the issue of our generation and we need to move the conversation forward and develop a plan that is non-partisan, multi-generational, one that will survive the life of any government. 
Likewise, as an Indigenous Canadian, it is also important to me that reconciliation be purposeful and lead to a stronger system of cooperative federalism where Indigenous peoples are full partners in Confederation. This is good for all of Canada. Yes, we have made progress, but it is not enough. We can and must do more. As an independent with like-minded colleagues, I can promote this. Moving forward, there are many other issues we need to discuss. Our riding, Vancouver Granville, is one of the most diverse in the country and growing really quickly. And we need to continue to focus working at all levels of government on issues such as housing and transportation, to name a few. I will be engaging in discussion on a wide range of policy issues throughout the campaign, but importantly, I want to hear from you. So talk to me. Please visit our website. Um, it goes live sometime today, fingers crossed. <laughs> Your thoughts are most welcome. I also want to say this. We can support others to run as independents or to act more independently. My good friend and colleague, Dr. Jane Philpott, is making an announcement today about her political future, and I want to acknowledge her continued leadership. So there are more MPs than you might think that see a need for a different way of doing politics and who do not like the current limitations of the party system what some of us like to call independent partisans. These people want to collaborate. To be independent does not mean you're alone, working as one. On the contrary, it means you are committed to working with everyone. So my commitment to you, I will ensure that you have a strong voice in Ottawa that will work with whichever government is in power as well as with all MPs, no matter their political stripe, for the betterment of Vancouver Granville and our country. And when I say independent, I mean it in the true meanings of the word. Free from outside control, not depending on another's authority, and not depending on another for livelihood or subsistence. The only thing I will depend on is the vision, service and support of citizens in this riding and listening to the voices of Canadians from coast to coast to coast. But I need your help. To expand the idea and the role of independence, I first need to get re-elected. <laughs> and this is where you come in. All right, there you have it. That is a uh, press conference going on live right now. Vancouver, Grenville, Jody Wilson-Raybould uh, announcing she plans to run as a independent free of uh, the Liberal Party. Uh, she said that uh, wants to do and continue uh, with doing politics different. Uh, said that the politics has been referred to as a blood sport. I've heard that many times. She, she, she said, why? It's not a sport. It's a business. And why does there have to be blood involved with anything like this? Uh, so it's going to be fascinating. Uh, an alliance with the Greens, it, it appears, on in, in nonpartisan climate, climate change as, uh, as she moves forward. And encouraging other independents to be independent or those that are perhaps sitting on the fence 
perhaps giving it a, it a thought. Uh, fascinating, uh, fascinating discussion and a great way to open up the show on a Monday, I must say. Let's bring in Christo Avalis, Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council, postdoctoral fellow in history at the University of Toronto. Initially having Christo on to talk about the Ontario government announcing they are cancelling retroactive cuts to the municipalities. We will get to that. But first, Christo, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. So your thoughts on what we just heard from Jody Wilson-Raybould? You know, my thoughts actually, and maybe this is hinted by her, her, her you know, kind remarks to the Green Party, the only party she really kind of singled out, uh, was that she was going to maybe join the Greens. That was, that was my sense. You know, the Greens have been, had a bit of momentum in, in B.C. And, 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 you know, the Green Party is sort of to the left of the Liberals, but not quite as left as the NDP. So maybe it's less of an ideological jump for her. But then, as you saw last night, and many people saw, she wasn't going to join the Greens. And once I heard that, I did think that the most likely case was her running as an independent. Because during the whole SNC-Lavalin affair, there was some polling done in her riding that suggested that she could win as an independent. And of course, you know, it's very difficult to win as an independent. There are logistical issues and resource issues and media issues. But she's in a very unique case. And so I think she feels if she can win as an independent, it doesn't close any doors for her. Maybe she can re-enter the Liberal Party if the election goes bad, and maybe the Trudeau loyalists will be discredited. This gives her that option. She can, of course, join the Green Party at a later date or join another party. So her being able to win as an independent gives her great flexibility going forward as, as an individual you know, as a, for her co- political career. Now that she is decided or that she's announced that she is running as an independent, what about ties to the Liberal Party? Does she, uh, obviously she has none now, uh, but that being said, is she open uh, to, to speak more of her mind now if she chooses? I mean, in terms of the legalities of like what she can say and can't say, I assume that's status quo and that'll be debated about you know, her time as justice minister, but politically, certainly politically, she's made the decision. She's not going to be a liberal. She's not going to be in any political party. So in terms of what she can say politically, she can say whatever she wants to say, provided she feels that it won't, you know, endanger her ability to get elected or won't be against the interests of her constituents or or what have you. And I think that that's a, a major factor. In terms of the connections to the liberal party, it's very interesting. Certainly, the connections to the, the actual Liberal Party, you know, centered in Ottawa, uh, aren't there anymore. But I think the indication from what I've seen is that the Liberals in that riding are quite loyal to her. And that's going to be very crucial because those are the people that helped elect her. As she noted, she didn't really have a political profile in a partisan sense, in, a, in, a, in an electoral sense, before 2015. And so those people mm. that helped to propel her to to her seat and, and, and kind of indirectly to cabinet are going to be the same kind of people she's going to need to knock on her doors. So if the local Liberal Party apparatus is against her, that will make it more difficult. So what is the difference? I mean, you know, we often hear uh, 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 politicians may uh, having a fa- have a fallout with a party, uh, disenfranchised in some way. Then they decide to sit as an independent. They go off into the back corner and... For the most part, we never hear from them again. What's the difference between the average independent and Jody Wilson-Raybould running as an independent? Does she almost seem to allude in her speech that she's 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 trying to awaken people that are thinking of doing the same thing? Well, I think there's a few things right now. One, a lot of the major parties are, aren't very popular right now. A lot of people are looking to who they're going to vote against in 2019. And, you know, Justin Trudeau's not popular. 
Andrew Scheer is less unpopular than Justin Trudeau, but he's still unpopular. And Jagmeet Singh, though he's rising in popularity, also has lower favorability numbers uh, than, than, you know, say Jack Layton did, certainly. So none of the major party leaders are popular. It might be the case that people are looking to be independent. You know, Michael Chong, the conservative MP in the last parliament, he made, uh, you know, a big push to try to uh, give MPs more independence within the political parties. And so a lot of people are discussing this because the reality of our, our system, especially under a majority government, um, is that the, 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 the party in power has such immense control centered in the cabinet and specifically within you know, the prime minister's office. And I think a lot of people are concerned about that because it, it clashes with the idea of our democracy, which is that you, know, you elect your local MP and they're there to represent you and not necessarily to carry on the party's interests. And what happens when those clash? And so I think that's what she's trying to get at. And I think what she's trying to argue specifically is that, you know, there are issues that cross partisan lines like climate change and inequality and things like that and, and, and indigenous reconciliation that need bipartisan or multipartisan solutions. And I think it makes it different for her because for most independents, um, it's, it's, they don't have the profile she does. Most independents are just random people running who aren't running from a party. Sometimes there are people kicked out of caucus for, for quote-unquote ethical reasons, whether or not you agree with them being kicked out. Jody Wilson-Raybould, it was clearly a kind of politically motivated uh, you know, removal from the caucus. Again, some people support that, some people don't. But I think in her case, it's just she has such a high profile. I think it's important that you know, it's an Indigenous woman leader that a lot of people see as the kind of face of, of what Canadian politics will look like in the next 20, 30, 40 years. And so you add all of that together, and she has what most independents don't have, which is the ability to generate actual credible media coverage. And she will get that in a way that mm. almost no other independent could ever hope to get. Good point. All right. The original reason we were calling you, Christo, was uh, Ontario government has announced, the premier's announced that they're canceling the retroactive cuts to municipalities. Uh, your thoughts on this about face? happen really because i mean retroactive cuts are 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 are, are not a good thing i don't think because because it, it's really difficult for governments to plan it, it it sort of hamstrings the past it's like telling a previous parliament what it can and can't do um i think this is one of those moves that, that doug ford you know made because his government without a, a really fully fleshed out platform is sort of doing things you know, piece by piece. They don't have a detailed plan, it seems, for what they want to do. So they'll do things like this, realize that it's incredibly unpopular, you know, not just with, with non-conservative voters, but in some cases with conservatives. And so they backtrack a little bit. Um, and I think on this case, it is, it is kind of crucial to see that, you know, at least with the retroactive cuts, not the ongoing cuts, the government realized that it sends a terrible message. Because again, it, it, you think retroactive, it really gives, it gives, your, it gives governments, it gives businesses, whatever, you know, uh, an inability to actually plan for the future. It's like a retroactive tax increase, if you want to put it another way. We're not only going to you know, raise taxes 1% this year, 
but actually on all your tax returns last year, we're going to go get, get, get you back for that 1% back in 2018, that would not go over well. So I'm not surprised that this isn't going over well. How does the electorate view this? Um, Obviously, he was elected, you know, with a mandate, and and I guess we knew the the cuts were coming. Uh, Now, of course, he's saying he's selling this as, the premier's selling it as, well, we're listening to the people and the mayors, and and everybody's uh, obviously cranky about this, so we're going to think about this again. So does this, does this, how does the voting public perceive this? Is a government that doesn't know what it's doing, or that listens to the people? I mean, you know, the, the, the government certainly wants it to be the latter. I think to a certain degree, the government, um, because, again, it, it, it has a mandate in the constitutional sense. It won a majority of the seats and will therefore be able to govern for the next four or five years or three or four years now. Um, but, you know, Ford didn't run on uh, – he run on, on, on efficiencies – but he didn't necessarily run on many of the things he's doing. Yeah. And so he, he runs into these problems. And I think what happens is that, you know, there's the reality that the conservatives have an ideological program that I don't think they, I think they knew was unpopular. I think they saw what Tim Hudak did in 2014, which was be honest with the voters and get absolutely trashed, uh, you know, tarnished and, and, and dragged through. And he lost that election because he was honest. And so Doug Ford said, look, I'm going to I'm going to lie or I'm going to mislead or I'm going to omit. Right. And I'm going to not say I'm going to fire teachers and nurses because the public's not going to want to hear that. And I'm just going to do it because you can't stop me once I won. And so to a certain degree, that's the that's the conservative plan. But as you've noted, there's been some pretty big backlash to some of these decisions. And I think one of the factors has to be like the conservatives want a majority government and a pretty healthy one. But not all of those ridings were big wins. And you're probably looking at the mathematics and saying, like, you know, it's not a, it's not, it doesn't take a whole lot to see some of these writings flipping back. And as we've been seeing in recent polling, the conservatives, you know, it's not, not every poll agrees, but every recent poll has shown a steep decline, anywhere from 10 to 20 percent of conservative support uh, in, since, since, you know, a few months ago even. And the reality is that I think Doug Ford is, is seeing what happens when the public votes for what was a center-right platform but is getting something a little bit more conservative, uh, uh, you know, in, in yeah. practicality. Christo Abelis has been with us, Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council, postdoctoral fellow in history, University of Toronto. Christo, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, wow, what a day. You know, Monday usually is slow start. You get into her, you get going, and boom, uh, immediately a, uh, wow, and now now uh, Jane Philpott is holding her press conference. Is there any way we can get that one live? If you can grab it, let's take it, too. <laughs> this is bizarre. Uh, this is sort of uh, live radio. Uh, we came on at uh, 12 noon in intending to do something. We knew that Jody Wilson-Raybould was going to speak out today. And uh, we heard that she is going to run as an independent. Uh, do we have this? Uh, and and she announced that she is uh, going to ri- uh, run for Grenville, uh, Vancouver Grenville, but she will do so as an independent, no longer within uh, the arms of the Liberal Party. She said that she plans to do politics differently, as she had originally thought. Um, also, that uh, it was interesting. She talked about it being a blood sport and how um, it didn't necessarily have to be. She doesn't think it's bloody nor a sport. It's business, and there's responsibility tied to that. So it, it almost uh, sounded as if she was... Um, enticing uh, other 
other independents on uh, uh, to to awaken the lion. I guess here's uh, let's go live to Jane Philpott's press conference. Who really presents the real deal? They want politicians who are accountable, who are willing to admit that from time to time we make mistakes, but we're going to own up to them, and then we're going to get things right and move on. And people want politicians that are bold, that realize we have some serious existential threats in this country. We have threats like climate change that is literally putting this planet at risk. And I'll just pause on that because look around, those of you who can see out a door on these gorgeous fields out here on the ninth line in Markham. This is the place, one of the places on earth that's going to be affected if we don't make some serious changes. Think about what would happen to this research farm and the next research farm and the next farm if we have serious drought in the years to come, if we have floods, unexpectedly high rainfalls. You ask a farmer, and there's plenty of them in this room, you ask a farmer if they care about climate change, and they're going to tell you it's a serious problem. We have to keep feeding this planet, and we're not going to do it if the climate keeps getting warmer and warmer. We have only scratched the surface on what has to be done for climate change, and together we can go the next level. We know that we're always going to need power. We're not going to stop wanting to travel. We're not going to stop wanting to plug in our devices and use electricity. But we should have bold new investments in alternative sources to get that power and energy. And it's going to take a bold transition to do so, but it's the right thing to do. We need political will. And who better to build political will than independent voices that aren't afraid of anybody? As we talk about climate change, I have to give a shout out to my amazing colleague, Elizabeth May. Many of you know that, that Elizabeth and I have had a lot of conversations in the last few weeks. I think she is doing fantastic work. She needs to be listened to. She and her green team have outstanding ideas for the future of this planet, and I intend to be her ally. I intend to work with her to fight for the kinds of initiatives that will save this planet. We're going to do it together. We have so many other big challenges. Look, we've got work to do on democratic reform in this country because I have learned in the last few months more than I ever knew in my life about the fact that the system is broken. We need to find a way that every voice, when they go to the ballot box, will know that their vote counts and that they will be well represented in Parliament. We have an amazing amount of work to do on Indigenous rights. I know how much the people of Markham Stouffville care about that because you tell me that all the time. And they, those are huge challenges that we're facing to make sure that the rights and well-being of Indigenous peoples are respected. Our country will not move forward effectively unless we respect those rights. But these are all the kind of big challenges that we can't solve if we're constantly fighting with one another. This is a cry for cooperation. Let's cooperate. Let's collaborate. That's the only way we're going to solve these hard problems. And so I'm hoping that today, as I announce my candidacy as an independent, that others across the country, nobody else in Markham Stouffville, hopefully, at least not too many of you. I mean, if you want to, like, jump in. This is for everybody. But 
I hope across the country other people will say, you know what, none of the parties is exactly me. Like, I can't fit myself into an exact box of a party. But I feel like I could represent my community well. Then go for it. Go for it. We need independent voices who will work with independent partisans to solve the big problems of our time. word, the word independent, it, and it, it strikes me as a bit of a paradox because you think that maybe independent means you're not prepared to work with anyone, that you're going to go it alone. That is absolutely not the case. The truth is that independence will work with everyone. White goes with everything, this color, just in the same way. It looks great with blue and orange and red and green. Bring it all on. We're going to work together. You know, the past, the past couple of months, much to people's shock, I have actually enjoyed being an independent member of parliament. I would never have thought it was possible. I didn't lose my voice. I found my voice. There is no longer a political party telling me what to say. There's no longer a political staffer telling me how to vote. There are no longer corporate lobbyists that are influencing the direction that I would go. The only people that are the boss of me right now are you. You, the people of Markham Stovall, you're the boss of me. But no political party is. We're going to work together. We need bold, independent action on the biggest problems facing our community, our country, and our planet. And I am going to need a lot of help. I'm thankful that many of you have already said to me today that you're ready to help. You're ready to dig in. Well, I hope that nothing I've said so far has dissuaded you, because we need to all work together. And I hope you'll get on board. The, I have a website which, if all of the technical geniuses have done things right, I'm seeing a thumbs up that we have a website that's now gone live, so people can check that out. I'm going to need dozens, if not hundreds, of volunteers. We're going to start our first canvassing this Saturday. We're meeting at the beautiful Village Hive just down the road in uh, Old Markham at noon on Saturday. We're going to talk about how we're going to get out in the community, and then we're going to go knock on some doors. So if you're free on Saturday at noon, please join me for that. I am going to need people to put up beautiful lawn signs. I've talked to some of the artists in the room about how we're going to get creative. We're going to you know, make the most beautiful lawn signs in the country here in Markham Stovall because there are no rules. We are going to paint outside the party lines. And I am going to need some financial support. So if you find it in your ability today, tomorrow, in the months to come to be able to make a donation, I believe there are volunteers who are set up to be able to accept donations today. I'm going to be honest with you. There are a few things that are rigged a little bit against independent candidates. I can take donations effective immediately. I can't give, I will give you a receipt if you make a donation today or in the next couple of months. Uh, 
Between now and when the writ drops, that receipt will not be eligible for a tax credit. So I'm going to ask you to make a bit of a sacrifice in the next couple of months if you can. Starting when the writ drops, any donations made after that, which will be roughly the beginning of September, all of those will get All right, let's wrap this up. That's uh, a press conference being held uh, right after the Jody Wilson-Raybould press conference. Jane Philpott uh, announcing, uh, just as Jody Wilson-Raybould did uh, a half an hour earlier, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould announcing uh, Vancouver Grenville she will run as an independent free of the Liberal Party. Jane Philpott echoing the exact same thing, breaking the party ties and running as an independent on uh, in Markham Stouffville. Also, uh, something that was common between both what Jody Wilson-Raybould said and Jason uh, Jane Philpott were uh, that they were going to align themselves with the Greens. Here's what Jody Wilson-Raybould uh, had to say about getting the support. The overwhelming message I received was clear. Clear how we need to do politics differently. That partisanship is trumping principle, that exclusion is trumping inclusion, and the lack of diversity of voices was simply unacceptable, and there is too much power in the centre. In addition to the people kindly thanking me for what I did and asking that I remain in federal politics, I was consistently told by people young and old from all backgrounds that the events had inspired them, motivating them to get involved. Above else, to not be afraid to speak up, to speak truth. This is Jody Wilson-Raybould speaking about politics being a blood sport. We sometimes hear that politics is a team sport, that politics is also a blood sport. Well, I do believe in the importance of a strong team, but I'm not sure that there has to be any blood involved. And it is far too serious a business to call it a sport. After all, it is the lives of people and our future that is at stake. All right, that is, uh, or was Jody Wilson-Raybould speaking earlier, uh, 12 o'clock at her press conference, 12.30, Jane Philpott announcing the same, that they are both running as independents. Let's bring in Peter Griff, professor of political science, McMaster University. Uh, Peter, turned out to be uh, quite uh, an early afternoon with uh, press conferences from both these individuals. Your thoughts on both of them running as an independent? Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of momentum they get behind them, because usually in our politics, if you run as an independent, you've pretty much signed up to lose. So uh, so what's the difference between this independence and any other candidate? Because as you said, after that, it's off to the back benches and we never hear from them again. Yeah, well, I mean, I think to win in our system, most people don't actually vote for the local candidate. They vote for a party label. And so uh, to the extent that our elections are organized around the uh, you know, competition between those party teams... Uh, independents have a hard time, uh, you know, getting their word in edgewise, and people don't necessarily really pay attention to those candidates. So most of the time, they, you know, they end up losing. Um, you know, in some cases where it's a high-profile person, I mean, we had some sort of uh, shock radio hosts in Quebec City who occasionally got elected in recent years uh, based on their local uh, appeal. So if you're, if you're looking into that future at 1 o'clock, maybe you'll make your announcement. Uh, no, so thank but, you. Uh, <laughs> you know, beyond that, or, you know, if someone is expelled from caucus but is uh, popular locally. So I think that will be the interest here. I mean, these are candidacies that will have higher profile. People may feel that they were hard done by by uh, the Liberal Party. 
So, uh, you know, they may have a, a, some chance of winning. At the very least, I think they make it hard to think that the Liberals are likely to win those seats, as they're likely to, to divide the Liberal vote, uh, potentially helping elect. I mean, in the, the cases of those uh, ridings, it would either be the, the Conservatives or the NDP that might benefit from that. Uh, both of these, uh, both Jane Philpott and uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould talked about the Greens and their alliance with them. Why not run for them? Yeah, to me, that's a bit odd. I mean, I think part of it may be that they look at Elizabeth May and they, I think, probably can see that Elizabeth May will run this campaign, but then probably look for someone else to take up the Green Party banner because she's been, I mean, working more than full time for a very long time trying to make that go. And, and you know, if one of the two of them got elected, they would be the obvious person that, for that job. And maybe it's a job that they don't want to do. They have other things they want to, to get done in politics and try to organize uh, the fourth party in our in our party system. So, uh, you know, may have to do uh, with that feature. Uh, the other would be, it makes it a bit, oh, this isn't a big thing, it makes it a bit uncomfortable for them in the next few months. They weren't elected as Greens, and so uh, they're caught in a bit of a strange situation where their constituents said, we, we elected you as a Liberal, so what are you doing sitting there with the Greens? But uh, I don't think that would be a big thing. I think it's probably more that they really... You know, they don't necessarily see themselves in the Greens. Uh, if they ran for the Liberals, it was because they felt that was better than the Greens at the time. And uh, they probably don't want to end up having to be the de facto leader of the Greens if Elizabeth May steps down after the next federal election. Uh, Jane Philpott, uh, a powerful speech, uh, which is still going on, um, and, and saying phrases like, uh, don't fit in certain political parties. Um, uh, are we at a tipping point with politics here in Canada? Are, are people looking for something different? Yeah, maybe that they are. Uh, I mean, certainly people are showing their dissatisfaction in voting in low rates. Uh, when they're surveyed, they show uh, relative uh, unhappiness with how things happen in Ottawa. They don't really feel that well represented. Um, so, I mean, there is that unhappiness that's out there. It's not clear how running as an independent in our system makes a lot of difference. I mean, listening to uh, Jane Philpott, um, uh, I think uh, her view would work really well with the American political system, where you don't have a government of the day. You have a bunch of legislators who come together and try to find consensus on issues. I mean, our political institutions are set up to have a really clear government, so we know who we're holding to account who's taxing us and what they're doing with that money. Um, and in that kind of system, an independent doesn't really have a very clear role. It's hard for us to hold them uh, to, uh, you know, hold them to account. If we wanted changes, I mean, something like a changed proportional representation, which would have made it harder for the government to form and would have to involve mm-hmm. negotiation between parties, it's probably closer to the sort of outcome that Philpott wanted. But uh, when she was a minister in the government, that's not the direction she went, despite promising to do so. So there's some kind of complications where there's this desire to change things, but things that might actually be effective changes, uh, you know, these ministers uh, did not uh, in, in, did not follow up their promises to do, and are now, I think, proposing something that would be not particularly effective in terms of how our government works. We need a we need a government of the day in the in a system of responsible government like we have in Canada. It's set up that way with you know the benches facing each other. We have a question period to try and hold that government to account. Having a bunch of independents coming together on issues, you know, from issue to issue doesn't really uh, solve that problem. Um, how would uh, the other three uh, other three political parties view this? Obviously, the Greens will be happy today. How do the Liberals view this? How do the others? Is is there is there bleeding away from the main traditional three party system? Uh, well, uh, 
yeah, I mean, I think we are seeing some changes in the party system. Uh, I mean, we'll see how well Bernier's party does. Not so well at the moment, but the Greens certainly look to be making their, their inroads as a fourth party. I mean, Canada's a weird country because with our electoral system, you usually expect to have two parties. I mean, it's a system set up to have that result. For the longest time, we had the NDP, and then in the 90s, we had reform and the, the Bloc Québécois, and we had five parties for a while. We, and now we're kind of oscillating between three and four again. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think we're seeing change in the system. Uh, in terms of this announcement, I mean, I think for the Liberals, uh, they're probably relatively happy because uh, in becoming independents, there's no momentum for either the Greens or the NDP out of this. Uh, they, you know, they, they're likely to, you know, lose those two seats as the Liberals. But if the independents win them, you know, there's maybe still numbers that would be useful to them in, in a minority government situation. Um, you know, for the Greens, I think it actually isn't a great day. I mean, it's nice, uh, nice for uh, Jane Philpott to give a shout out to Elizabeth May, but I think Elizabeth May was really hoping to w- build on the uh, by-election win in, in Nanaimo to show, well, I really have momentum, and look, I'm picking up all this support. Uh, she didn't get those two political aces today, so uh, probably not a great day for the Greens. And for the NDP, it's probably a mixed bag. Had those two uh, two MPs gone to the Greens, it would have been a big hit for the NDP. Had they been able to attract them, it would have been a big coup. In the end, they, it's kind of a, a wash, I think, in terms of the announcement. So why do you think these two did decide at this point to run as independents? Um, why not? That almost sounds like they're going to wait to see how things shake down before they commit to anything. Yeah, well, I mean, I can imagine that in the very short period of time, they went from uh, all planning to be running for the Liberals uh, this fall uh, to being, uh, and particularly in the case of Jane Philpott, who really did nothing other than point out that she believed Jody Wilson-Raybould more than the Prime Minister, but you know, didn't actually question anything otherwise, uh, to be kicked out of the Liberal caucus, I think, uh, was quite a surprise. And so to figure out a way forward was something that took a bit of time to figure out. And I can imagine in the moment the idea of running for another party probably seemed quite uh, attractive as a kind of form of revenge. But with time, one sort of settles and figures out that, well, ultimately, there's a reason they vote for the Liberals. Uh, Sorry, they ran for the Liberals last time. That was a party that spoke to them. That was a party that made sense for them. So why would they go and join another one, you know, ones that they had been, you know, railing against for the past three years and, you know, calling irresponsible and so forth? Uh, you know, at, at the last minute. So uh, it seems to me that to run as an independent was probably the most logical course of action for for both of these uh, both of these individuals. I mean, we remember in Hamilton, uh, you know, Sheila Copps when she was uh, in her uh, fight with Tony Valeri right, for yep. the nomination in Hamilton East. Uh, took a while and flirted with Jack Layton for a while about whether she could run for the NDP. But uh, I think ultimately, uh, it's hard for uh, it's hard for politicians of high profile to. Uh, to change teams, and particularly while they're still sitting in Parliament. It's maybe another issue for someone like Bob Ray to say, okay, I'm no longer a new Democrat, now I'm a Liberal. But, you know, he took some years away and stepped away to make that transition. Peter Grabb has been with us, Professor of Political Science, McMaster University. Peter, as always, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. You're welcome. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let's bring in Michael Tobe, Troy Media syndicated columnist, contributor to the Washington Times, former speechwriter for Stephen Harper. He is with us now. Michael, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My pleasure as always. And you being the expert that you are, it doesn't matter what we throw at you. You're nimble enough to go from one to the other, and we greatly appreciate that. It's the nature of being a generalist. That's how it works. <laughs> there you go. So first, let's start with Jody Wilson-Raybould. Your thoughts on what she had to say at noon today. 
Yeah, I mean, after Hannah Thibodeau announced on CBC News yesterday uh, with a breaking news item that uh, both Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott were not going to run as Green Party members, I think everyone started gaming out what was going to happen over the next little bit. And when you went through everything pretty quickly, it became easily or very clear that Wilson-Raybould was going to run as an independent. So when she announced today and when Phil Pott announced a half hour later she was doing the same thing, I think by that point, very few people were surprised. Some were obviously disappointed, including Green Party leader Elizabeth May, but I don't think most were now shocked because they'd had a few hours to think about it. What's interesting about Wilson-Raybould, which was a little bit different than Phil Pott, one, you have to consider the fact that because Jody Wilson-Raybould was really the, at the center of the NSC-Lavalin controversy, she could have run for anybody or by herself and had a very solid chance of winning. She had done some internal polling in her riding, and they found that in almost every scenario, I think even as a Tory, if I'm not mistaken, she would have won. As a Tory, it would have been closer because Vancouver-Granville, that riding is naturally conservative, but her name alone her reputation, and the story that she went through would have helped her in every every single circumstance. But for her, she is sort of trying to look at, say, a model that is popular in Europe, but not as much here, which is that she feels that the political party system weighs her down or holds her down. Ergo, as you said right off the top, she wants to be free. She wants to be independent where she can make her own alliances with political parties, be it, say, the Green Party, the NDP, the Tories, or even the Liberals, if she finds the need to do so. And it also allows her to vote her conscience. So if she likes a certain piece of legislation, she won't be whipped, or what the party whip acts like in a political party, to ensure that she votes a particular way. She will support what she wants, she will do what she wants. And for a lot of Canadians, including a lot of apathetic Canadians who either vote because they just sort of feel they have to, or don't like to vote at all, they will they will actually be keen on something like that, and they will see Jody Wilson-Raybould as kind of a unique figure in Canadian politics. Whether they like her or not, whether they agree with her or not, or even in Vancouver, Granville, whether they vote with her or not, they'll respect what she's doing in that position. So for her, as a political strategy, I think running as an independent, even though it's not the first choice I would make and a lot of people would recommend to her, I think it makes a lot of sense. So why uh, both of them pledged allegiance or an alliance of some sort with the Green Party, but yeah. are running as independents? Why not run as Greens then? Look, I had predicted that Wilson-Raybould would run as a Green last month, so I'm also surprised as some people are. We certainly found out, Scott, and I'm sure you've either discussed it or you read about it, that they had had some meetings with Elizabeth May. Mm -hmm. They had discussed the possibility of doing so. I think they even discussed it with the NDP as well. I saw Phil Pott's name mentioned with it, so I have to assume Wilson-Raybould at least met with them once. But with the Green Party, I think it, it was noted by one of the two of them, and I apologize, I don't remember which one, that they didn't feel a kinship to the Green Party, that obviously there were some similar issues that they had on things like electoral reform, climate change or the environment in general, and even building pipelines possibly, but that they didn't really see themselves as being a part of that particular party. So it just basically means that they felt that better, or, or they felt that it would be easier for them to vote their conscience, to act like independents, which they currently are, rather than aligning themselves with a political party that they don't necessarily feel at home with. Because in both 
Wilson Raybould and in Philpott's case, they've both been interviewed and both have said that by and large, for the most part, they agree with the principles of the Liberal Party. Their issue is with the Liberal Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. So I think they're biding their time and waiting for him to leave politics hmm. and possibly lose in the fall. Wow. Uh, and obviously uh, a lot easier to explain when you're an independent than flip-flopping from party to party all the time. Right. Exactly. Uh, I really got, uh, I really felt a similar attitude in both these ladies' uh, press conferences today. Um, you know, doing politics differently. It, it's its not so much the leaders, it's this machine behind them. It's party politics that, that, that's gone awry here. Uh, are, is this more, and, you know, you could listen to these two and say, hey, this is a populist movement. Right. But, uh, you know, you could look at both Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott, what they said today. You could look at them as independent populist leaders. Mm-hmm. Are, is a more anti-establishment style of politics growing here? Are people becoming disenfranchised with the big three parties? Well, like I said, in Europe, you actually see this movement exist <clears throat> in a number of different countries. It's just not very common in North America. I think the difficulty here, Scott, is that we really exist under a multi-party system. Although there are the big three, or two and a half if you'd like, because the NDP have never obviously held federal government, they've never served in power in Ottawa, um, there are also a lot of smaller parties, including the Green Party that exists. This is really where the power base is. It's not as, pardon me, independent thinkers. It's working as a cohesive unit with a political party. Are Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott going to start their own little mini-revolution in Canada, for example? I don't know. I think people will watch them. I think they'll wait to see what happens. And like I suggested, and I'm I'm writing in my column this week, and I don't mind admitting part of it publicly, um, I think that they're just biding their time in many ways. I think they sense that Trudeau is the issue, which they've suggested themselves. I don't think they feel that liberalism or the liberal party is the issue. So looking at it from their standpoint, they just have to wait until their problem disappears. And maybe then they sort of slide in, unless it is a Trudeau loyalist who becomes the next leader of the party. That may be where they're heading. On the other hand, maybe I'm completely wrong, and all they're doing is they're basically stating to, or saying to themselves, if we're going to change Canadian politics or if we're going to make a Canadian political system that appeals to our current mindset, we need to do away with parties or reduce the influence of parties in Canadian politics. I don't think there's going to be, quite frankly, this major revolution or mini-revolution on their, you know, following them. I don't think other MPs are going to do the same thing. It's also known as well that only about a third of um, former party MPs who run as independents ever get re-elected. Yeah. So it works against them. But if they're trying to start something up and they're trying to see if they can maybe create their own little grassroots movement or, as you said, be their own little populist leaders, even if they're just sort of individual leaders at that, um, it's a fascinating political experiment. It's certainly one that has succeeded elsewhere. I just don't think that the Canadian mindset is really set upon or is really intrigued by something like this, at least not at this present time. What can the main parties learn from all of this? You know, and I, I go back to the comparison uh, to the United States in with the Democrats losing to Donald Trump and and still unable to accept the fact that their guy beat their girl right uh, and not really understanding why is that what's happening here do 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 the three do 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 the major political parties 
understand that some are feeling very disenfranchised with them? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Canadian political system, or at least the way Canadians look at their electoral system, is different than the way the Americans do. I don't think we've reached the moment, <clears throat> although some people suggest we are not far from it, where a, a Donald Trump-like figure would enter the scene. But I do agree with you in principle that a lot of people, including the Canadian electorate, are looking at politics differently in the sense that they don't like the politics-as-usual crowd. And we can see that based on, say, the success of the provincial Green Party in Prince Edward Island, where they became the official opposition, or we can see it where the provincial, a lot of provincial liberal parties, with the exception being Newfoundland, just sort of fell by the wayside, beaten out mostly by you know right-leaning parties, PC or otherwise. So I think we're sort of seeing it in a different way, but I think it's more that Canadians are in their own way trying to challenge the establishment, but are keeping the establishment around and sort of giving them a bit of a word of warning that, yes, we're still going to vote for you, and yes, you'll still hold government, and yes, you'll still win seats in federal politics, but we don't like what we see anymore. And that's why I sort of alluded to the fact that Phil Pott and Wilson-Raybould may be experiments waiting to happen. So if they're successful, and they sit as independents, and they have influence, which they will to some degree, and they're able to get their message out, <clears throat> either against Canadian politics, excuse me, or simply against the way that politics is run in this country, it may actually start something or stir emotions or change the way we look at Canadian politics. But on their own as two people in, of, out of 308, no, there's only so much they can do. And, and you know, as you mentioned, usually if uh, one has, you know, goes the independent route, perhaps they've been banished for something or, or what have you, and, and normally yeah. we don't hear from them again. Is there something different this time out with these two? Listen to this clip of uh, Jane Philpott sure. and, and her sort of, uh, I, I guess, trying to inspire others to think like her. And so I'm hoping that today, as I announce my candidacy as an independent, that others across the country, nobody else in Markham Stouffville, hopefully, at least not too many of you. I mean, if you want to, like, jump in. This is for everybody. But I hope across the country, other people will say, you know what, none of the parties is exactly me. Like, I can't fit myself into an exact box of a party. But I feel like I could represent my community well. Then go for it. Go for it. We need independent voices who will work with independent partisans to solve the big problems of our time. I, I thought, Michael, she said something very interesting and, and, and very passionate. And, yeah. that, you know, Canadians, Ontarians, whatever, sitting around and looking at all three parties and trying to find one that represents them. As we've seen politics move more to the extreme, right. uh, one way or the other, has she struck a chord here that people are saying, you know what, this doesn't represent me anymore? Other than the theory of an independent partisan, which I don't really kind of understand, I guess she basically means someone who's ideological but doesn't want to sit in a party, but that's, that kind of defeats the purpose. But anyway, I, you know, I can accept that as a term that at least we float out there. Yes, I think in certain ways, Scott, you, you've hit the nail on the head. That's what, there's, that's what she's kind of implying. Now, you know, also where she says that everybody should jump in and <laughs> should be running you know, in her riding and elsewhere, 
Yeah, but it's not to her political advantage to have no. too many independents who think like her running in the same riding. I don't think that would be very clever. But her point basically is that a lot of Canadians don't fit in the the the, the square. They're the square peg in the round hole yeah. theory yeah. when it comes to politics. So, it's it's been extreme. Yes. Okay. Again, it's hard for me to kind of align with this. Right. Obvious reasons, because well, I am. I am partisan, I, I am a conservative intellectual, and I fit somewhere, and yep. I know where I fit. But you're right, the vast majority of Canadians don't perfectly fit anywhere, which is why sometimes they'll vote one party one way, one party the other way, or do, the, or do a difference on provincial politics and federal politics. Politics is not the same as it used to be, where you know you had your, your grandparents, your parents voted a particular way, so right. you did too. It just followed sociological themes. It is very different today. So what Phil Pott is hoping to do, like Wilson Raybould, is she's trying to challenge the existing Canadian mindset when it comes to the multi-party system. I don't think there's anything wrong with trying it. There will certainly be Canadians who agree with them. I, I don't even dispute that. And I'm sure there'll people, there were people sitting in Markham Stouffville, that riding, listening to Jane Philpott, who thought she was right on the money. But do the vast majority of Canadians believe that it should be sort of a, a group of independents, sort of like a Swiss model, so to speak, rather than, multi, uh, rather than political parties running against one another. I don't think we've reached that point, and I don't think that the two of them, with all due respect, have enough power and influence to change the entire Canadian system that has existed, been in place since at least 1867, when this country was founded. And all you have to do is look around what's happening in other parts of the world, and you're asking yourself, gee whiz, is it really that bad? Right. Um, exactly. <laughs> uh, so if you're the other leaders, how are you feeling with these announcements? Do you care? Is this a blip on the radar? If you're the prime minister today, how are you reacting to this? And one other question, Michael, can these people now, are they free to speak anything they want in regard to the Liberal Party? Where will hear all these stories now? Well, uh, let's take part A first. Uh, will the leaders look at it differently? Justin Trudeau is going to just keep his head low. He's not going to say anything today because he's probably had, in fairness, enough of these two, and he probably will just let them have their day in the sun and move on. And his, mo- his mode is really just very simple. He's in election mode, and if these two don't want to run under his party banner, he's already ejected them from caucus, they can do whatever they want. The thing that he's obviously worried about, or at least his senior advisors are worrying about, is that the liberal vote will be badly split in those two ridings. So in a close election, you know, those two votes could cost him in the grand scheme of things, possibly. Uh, the Tories and the NDP are just going to simply shrug their shoulders. You know, the Tories didn't expect Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott to join them anyways. Ideologically very different. So they'll, well, you know, they'll wish them well. The NDP might be a little unhappy because they thought maybe they would be an alternative to the Greens, but if it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. You know, they have their own ideology, they have their own movement and own ideas, so they'll keep moving forward. It's only the Green Party and Elizabeth May are going to be disappointed because they had a chance to move from a caucus of two, and at two as of today when Paul Manley is sworn in, Mm. to a caucus of four. Plus, it would have been two very prominent people with them. So, I mean, Elizabeth May obviously is disappointed she pointed out in her press conference the difficulties of running without a party banner behind you, and she's not wrong. I don't disagree with it, but obviously there's some frustration for her. Now, in terms of what you're suggesting, will Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott speak openly about the Liberal Party? I mean, yes and no. They'll speak openly about it because now they can, but only to a point. 
you know, the, the they're not going to burn a bridge. They can't burn a bridge. Yeah. I mean, especially if they want to go back. Right. Plus, as well, the whole nature of um, of party privilege still remains intact. Jody, uh, I'm sorry, Justin Trudeau, our prime minister, has not waived that privilege, and without it. There's only so much Jody Wilson-Rabel can say about those three to four weeks that we don't know anything about, and Jane Philpott has the same problem. So will they be critical of the Liberal Party? Probably when they feel like it. Will they be overly critical? No. But I don't think they're going to be overly critical of any party because they need to build alliances as independents. That's their only base of power. Michael Tobe has been with us, Troy Media syndicated columnist, contributor to the Washington Times, former speechwriter for Stephen Harper. Michael, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. This is the Scott Thompson Podcast, available on Apple Podcast and Google Podcast or wherever you get yours. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a thing. I'm Scott Thompson, and thanks for listening.